0: Hello and welcome to Soundwaves, the Ellen MacArthur Cancer Trust's official podcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name's Scott and this week we're focusing on one person's 10-year relationship with the Trust. Ezzie's first trip was on the 26th of July 2010, almost 10 years ago to the day. She sailed from the Isle of Wight while in recovery from Hodgkin's lymphoma. She's been involved with the Trust in one form or another every single year since, going from a young person receiving support to being an incredibly active volunteer and fundraiser while balancing a really busy personal life too. This is Izzy's story to tell and we hope you enjoy hearing from her. The conversation really made me reflect on the importance of long-term and ongoing support and how that support changes depending on what stage of life you're at. I think as well, it really helped me understand the scope of what kind of relationship or relationships people have with the trust. Here it is. We hope you enjoy. Izzy, it's been 10 years almost to the day since you came on your first trust trip. We'll get into all the details of how it happened and how it all came together. But looking back from where you are now, do you recognise that, Izzy, from 10 years ago?
1: No, not at all. She was a completely different girl. You know, she was... Um, about to finish primary school go into a brand new secondary school with triple the amount of children um, you know I then had to think about moving house soon and it just everything was throwing off throwing me off course um, and completely different to, to where I am now with my courage with my personality just everything.
0: And can you remember what it was that made you come along in the first place like where you looking for a certain kind of support were you drawn in by the sailing had you had it recommended to you
1: um yeah so um we had quite a big involvement with click sergeant when i was in hospital um and they were the ones that pointed us towards the trust um and said because you're in southampton hospital they've got the big connections there currently um so they pointed us towards one of the scouts and they showed us what the trust the trips are all about us what would happen um we signed up instantly because i've always been a lover of water so it's just a natural thing for me to do um and so yeah joined in
0: was there any sort of convincing necessary or were you nervous or you know how were you feeling at the like on that weekend before your first trip
1: i was definitely nervous um i'd spent some time away from my parents as a child you know they'd go away for a week or a weekend so i'd go to my siblings house um but this Considering what I'd just been through, this felt huge. To be away from my mum and dad for a whole week on a boat in the middle of the Solon. <laughs> you know, If anything goes wrong, what's going to happen? <laughs> it, it, meeting new people, you know, it was still my, current, my, my confidence at that age. I, I wasn't good with, with people my own age at all. I was fine with younger children, but I just anyone my age or older I couldn't communicate with. So I was really nervous that like when I first met these people, how would I react? How would they react? Would they like me? Would I like them? You know, there was just a load of those worries going on. But as soon as we got on that little lifeboat um, at Southampton um, and went straight over, I was like, actually, I can do this. These people are amazing.
0: Was it the case that you get on trips where on the Monday everyone's quite quiet and quite shy and by the Thursday everyone's just, you can't keep them calm again?
1: yeah definitely everyone on that little boat going over to the island was just so silent that you could hear every wave against the boat and then coming back at the end of the week you couldn't even hear the water
0: (laughs) and you ended up coming on a trip from 2010 to 2016 every year as a young person Uh, what was it that kept you coming back
1: the love of the water something new the friends i'd made i'd wasn't necessarily going back to the same people the same uh, residential trip but it was still the knowledge that these people are my friends even if i haven't met them yet because we've all been through a similar thing we can all communicate in that way and connect um so that just it was an opportunity for me to get out of my comfort zone but also be in my comfort zone if that makes any sense at all (laughs)
0: I guess it's that place of familiarity you can go back to each year yeah. you know that it's there and you sort of um you look forward to each year.
1: Yeah yeah and it was the volunteers as well knowing that um I'd see some of the same volunteers year after year if they went back to the same residentials or that they seemed to come on the same residentials as me and just you know there's a couple of volunteers that stick in your mind and be like oh I really want to see them again because they make you laugh or make you cry or <laughs> anything. Cry in a good way. Yes, of course.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> when they uh, hit you in the face with a with a water missile.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you were saying there, um, residentials. All your return trips were to residentials. Was there yeah. anything in particular that drew you to them?
1: Um, it's more the first time trip drew me away from doing that. Again. <laughs> so I'm I'm a water person, but I need to have a break on land. <laughs> so the uh, my first time trip when I when I was Well, well, it was 2010. Was I can't remember how old I was, but that was I got seasick and tired, and it was confined in that small space for four days with people. Yes, you get to know, but still, it was it was too much time on the water with not enough space. You know, I went to the residential. um, I think I went to Bradwell my first residential trip, my second trip with the Trust, and I just instantly loved it because the minute I needed that time away from people. I could go up to my room and lie on my bed and no one would disturb me. Whereas on the boat, you go into your bed and suddenly you're sharing your bed with someone else. (laughs) And they'll come in or you can still hear what's going up on deck or anything. It's not, there wasn't that space that I needed. I'm quite an independent person.
0: (laughs) I guess it shows the difference in trips as well though, because I think a lot of people just assume, you know, we, we go sailing at the Trust, but actually there is that choice to do the residential as well, which is a bit of a different experience.
1: Yes. Yes, I, I always say that I do love the residentials 10 times more also because of the, the fact that I can take myself away, but also the huge variety. Like like I've said I'm, I'm many a time, I'm a water person and the sailing on the big boats didn't give me a lot of opportunity to be in the water. <laughs> if you were in the water, it was when you were practising man overboard and that was a bad thing if you were actually in the water <laughs> and not the life boy. <laughs> so when I was on the residential trips it was oh if I go out on my kayak and I capsize it <laughs> I can be in the water <laughs> or if I capsize the the little sailing boats I'll be in the water and it was just that extra fun element of it you know you could mess around a little bit more because if you did capsize you had to get yourself back up and join the others you know whereas if the big boat capsized on the first time trips you're all in a little bit of trouble <laughs>
0: I guess you uh, you mentioned the sort of familiarity that you can come back to every year you know when you do it for six years in a row do you get something new from it each time?
1: Oh yes yes because I never I think only once did I do two two of the same residential trips in a row so usually it would be like a Bradwell Lake District Bradwell Lake District Bradwell Lake District thing um, and so I'd miss a year, come back, and suddenly everything would be different. There'd be new instructors, there'd be a new activity, or they've changed the rules, or something would be different. And so I'd get something new out of it. Um, Or Also, you're only there for a week, um, four days, you really have activities for. So you never did the same activities, even year after year. There was activities that another group did, you didn't do in that week, and then you come back a couple of years later, and I'd be able to do windsurfing or gill scrambling or archery or high ropes. It was completely different, which really helped because I think it would have been quite boring if I'd gone back and done the exact same activities every time.
0: And then it was in 2017, I think, you became a volunteer. Um, so, what was it like making that switch from being a young person on a trip to volunteering with them and looking out for them?
1: Very weird. Um, I still felt like a young person myself. Um, I would only just turned 18 um, in the April before the the August, so it still felt very new to me to be an adult. And then suddenly to be a volunteer on the trip, it was oh, okay, I'm actually you know not in charge, but in charge. <laughs> I'm not that little child anymore. Um, and also quite a lot of the instructors from Bradwell and the Lake District remembered me as a young child, a young person. So coming back as a volunteer, it was the way we communicated had to change as well because they had to see me as a volunteer and I had to see them more as a, a colleague than a person in charge. And also realising that Bradwell has a staff room. <laughs> that was a big one.
0: Back <laughs> to the role, really. Perks of the role.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I guess because you did these trips as a young person for like um you did seven across six years. Mm. By the fifth and sixth and seventh you're maybe seeing people who are on their first return trip so it's only their second trip so did you already have a sort of um taster for what it would be like to have um some responsibility in a sense because you sort of knew what the lay of the land was
1: yeah so on my last trip as a young person i was in of course the older group they split you all into groups on the residential i was in the older group um and it was quite a matter of showing the ropes to the younger ones also the volunteers would quite happily leave you you know when you go out for the day sail at the Lake District it'd be okay so we know that Izzy, Gemma and Matt can quite happily handle the boat on their own whereas those three girls need to have Paul with them so it would be right you three can have the boat on your own and make your way down to Coniston while the younger ones do need the volunteer with them so it's having that extra responsibility that we could sail the boat on our own and we did. We didn't capsize, whereas Paul's boat did capsize with the three little girls in it.
0: Just throwing Paul's name in there, just. To...
1: Oh yeah, of course. I was listening.
0: <laughs> and when it comes to actually volunteering, you know, what kind of volunteer are you? You know, what young people think about you as a volunteer?
1: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I hope I'm I'm fun, but I'm caring. Um, I know that I'm always like ready to listen to them and look after them, but I hope they don't think I'm boring, <laughs> or bossy. I don't know yeah I, I don't I don't think I have any outstanding qualities you know I'm not the funniest I'm not the boldest the bravest but I am that, that caring person that would just be that person they can come to in, the, in their time of need because it happens to all of us on the trips you have a moment where you might miss home or something happens that you're not familiar with and you just need to go and talk to someone and I'm always happy to be that person.
0: And do you think that listening part of it is maybe the sort of key to being you know a a good trust volunteer
1: yes oh yes definitely because it's sort of an unwritten rule amongst us that we don't explicitly talk about cancer but over the course of however long you're with the trust you will say your cancer story multiple times because it's just sort of that listening to each other's stories that kicks everything off especially on like the first time trip. I remember we were all sat in one of the boats around the table and we just went around and shared all of our cancer stories. And after that, everyone suddenly was like, oh, okay, we're all the same. Even though we'd all had completely different experiences, we were all the same and we went off and played a game of cards. And it just connected us a lot more.
0: So do you see, even as a young person or as a volunteer, the benefit in having young people who have been supported by the Trust become volunteers? Because has oh, yeah. that sort of, we're all the same feeling.
1: Yes, definitely. The the volunteers I can remember from being a young person myself are the ones who are graduate volunteers who've been young people themselves. Because you just you you know what to expect. You know exactly what they're feeling. You've been in their shoes. You know. Sometimes you even slept in the same bed they're currently sleeping in. There is such a, a feeling of being there that you can just help them so much better. I I feel, you know, I don't have the other perspective, of course, of not being a graduate volunteer, but (laughs) I just feel you have that bigger connection because you've been there, done it, (laughs) got the teacher.
0: And then outside of volunteering, you've also been involved with fundraising. Uh, Can you tell us a bit about what kind of things you've done?
1: Yeah. So ever since I was cured, really, we've done big fundraising things for various charities that have helped me um, or not even helped me, just like cancer charities. the two my two big ones of course are click sergeant which helped me while i was ill and then ellen MacArthur, which have helped me since i've been ill um so they they both sort of came hand in hand whenever we did any fundraising so we used to do, um we own like a area that has a huge riverbank like field type place near our house um and we used to do big barbecues you know we'd get a, a live stage with proper music being played and dad would be in charge of the barbie and everything like that it just created that fun atmosphere i'd go around jiggling the bucket <laughs> and people would throw in loose change and sometimes notes and it was just that, that atmosphere would create the, the fundraising side of it in i can't remember what year it was year 9 i think when i was in year 9 in secondary school i um arranged a music concert at school as part of my GCSE music um, coursework. We had to create a music concert and I was put as the leader so I organised it to fundraise money for Ellen MacArthur Um, and it was actually a really big hit. Lots of students participated and played their music in some form and loads of students came to watch and they had to pay tickets to get in and it, it, we sold drinks and snacks and all the money went to in my class. so that was that was quite a taste of what I could do but within the structure of the school so I was still like being supported through it and then most recently um which quite a few people know about um I decided that I want to do something big because of course my 10th anniversary um uh, I mean I, my years are being messed up a little bit because I can never work out how old I've been and when I actually came on trips but it's been about 10 years um, as per this podcast so I decided to jump off the spinnaker tower <laughs> as I've gone around telling quite a few people um I didn't actually jump off I did jump um but off the top <laughs> just off the first little platform for the drop um that was my first challenge then I went up and did the virtual reality um so they put the goggles on and I had to collect coins from the outside of the spinnaker Tower while stood inside the spinnaker tower (laughs) um and then the other one i did was ringing the bell um so walking along the the pole and then ringing the bell which was actually really farther further than you thought nearly hit a couple of people in the face because of course i can't actually see what's actually around me (laughs) and just see the bell in the distance and then the abseil the 100 meter abseil from nearly the top of the spinnaker all the way to the bottom Um, and that was terrifying beautiful and amazing all in one it was the best feeling of my life to know that I'm abseiling which the only type of abseiling I've done is coming down off the high ropes at Bradwell or the Lake District (laughs) it was the furthest I've got so this was something completely different and I loved it like I loved just being able to see Portsmouth which is where I was born and grew up Um, and just the feeling that I was doing something amazing for the Trust had raised by this point an awful lot of money and was still raising money um, and i had all my family and friends at the bottom cheering me
0: i was going to say how are you with heights
1: i'm fine with heights actually yeah the spinnaker tower actually conquered my fear of heights as a child my dad took me up there and made me walk across the glass floor barefoot <laughs> so that soon fixed my fear of heights um, and then of course sailing with the trust you, you if you go on the high ropes you can't be afraid of heights so that was always, now. I've always been fine with heights.
0: <laughs> it seems kind of like opportunities to fundraise are beginning to open back up in, in the UK. Uh, so what kind of advice would you have for young people who are maybe looking to start fundraising uh, themselves but don't know where to start? Are there things you can do to make it easier or make it more fun for yourself?
1: Just go with what you love. So the Spinnaker Tower held a huge childhood memory for me you know as I said i was born and grew up in Portsmouth so it was like that pinpoint in my geography Um, but also I knew that the trust had a connection to it they've done quite a bit of fundraising around the Spinnaker so it was already that that connection was already there Um, But other things I've done like I was already doing a music GCSE so why not create a music concert I've done for other charities um, for Kick Sergeant I did a 200 mile cycle ride Um, so that was I love cycling let's go for a cycle ride just happened to be 200 miles long not five (laughs) it's just go with what you love if you love baking bake if you love running run if you love swimming swim is whatever you love to do go and do it and if you can raise some money for this amazing charity at the same time then brilliant
0: so you have this um, long-term relationship with the trust what kind of long-term impact has that had on your life outside of the trust?
1: It sounds really cheesy, but I know that I wouldn't be sat here right now if it wasn't for the trust. So um, the re- one of the reasons I kept coming back every year was because I'd get to, I'd get to about Easter, around my birthday time, and I would know that my, my confidence, my courage was starting to run out. And then come summer holidays, I jump straight back into a trust trip and my confidence and courage be renewed, full up, overflowing, and I'd go on and do the next step in my life. So, my first trip, I was, um, I'd just left year six with 98 children in my primary school. I went to a secondary school that had 2,000 children. The courage I gained from my first trust trip helped overcome the cancer I just faced but also the fact that I moved into year seven with that many children. When I left year seven, we moved up to Lincolnshire from the south, um, and I went on my second trust trip, and that helped me overcome that fear of moving into a new place, starting a new school, that, that extra thing that was coming up in my life. Beginning of year nine, I started my GCSEs, so that trust trip helped me to get into that phase. Year 10 and 11, I actually sat my GCSEs, so again, the trust trip helped me with that. You know, I moved to sixth form. The trust trip helped me with that. Um, and then, in uh, when I became a volunteer, um, the the my first trip as a volunteer was the trip before I came to university. It so was literally like a few weeks beforehand. And honestly, even though that trip was possibly one of the worst trips I've had because I was ill, it I still wouldn't have gone to university if I hadn't had all the trips in the past and then that trip there. I just, university was such a big jump. I came back down south. I moved 200 miles away from my parents to live on my own in halls. It was to do something I've wanted to do my whole life, but it still felt like a huge change. And the trust just, they just really helped me. Like, it's just everything they throw at you in the trip makes you think you can face anything in real life. And I have, like, I've faced so much since... Uh, since that first day on the 26th was the 26th of July 2010 you said
0: <laughs> so what is it your life like now
1: um, so now I have graduated university sort of <laughs> when there's an actual graduation I can walk across the stage I have finished university um, for three years um, I've graduated with a BA honours primary teaching degree however because of the coronavirus and something happened in my last year um, i've decided not to pursue my qts my qualified teacher status um, so i've got a teaching assistant job lined up for september to start on the 7th of september in a local primary school 10 minute cycle ride from my flat and i've been in a couple of times i've met my class teacher i've met some of the children that i'm going to have because of course not all of them are back yet um, And I'm just really, really excited for that next chapter that I've really been prepared for. Slightly worried because there's no Trust Trip this year. (laughs) Facing a massive change and there's no Trust Trip to give me that courage boost. But at the same time, I feel like I've got 10 years stored up so I can pull a bit of extra out of those and I'm ready to face what comes my way in September.
0: (laughs) Uh, We always play a game of best bit, worst bit, funniest bit at the end of Trust Trips and at the end of Sound Waves as well. Normal episodes, we split it between three guests. So you have the freedom to tell us either your best, worst, or funniest bit, or if you've got all three, then please tell us all three.
1: Oh, hang on, that's ten years of trip. (laughs) It's a
0: huge greatest hits to delve back into.
1: Mm. I guess the best bit has—I'll try and do all three. The best bit has always just been the water, whether that be water fights, sailing on the water, falling into the water, watching another boat capsize into the water. um at the lake district um we have to put these tags on and they the arms fill up with water so just watching people lift their arms up and all the water runs down (laughs) into the chest and tummy uh, it's it's just like the best bit is the water i think it just it's so healing in multiple ways the worst has always been the sleeping I love my sleep if Frank or Dan are listening right now they will be nodding along um because I absolutely love like I'm as soon as they say right nine o'clock don't be in your rooms because people want to go to bed I'm in bed (laughs) that is me right up there Uh, even as a volunteer. it if I'm not on shift I'm in bed at nine o'clock so the worst that has been the sleeping but it's it's the thing you get into isn't it the funniest bit I think the funniest bit has been the young people. Let me explain. (laughs) Just the the way they change drastically um, and the connections they make. Some of them, they're best friends one year and you come back suddenly and they're not best friends. And it's like, whoa, what happened? Hang on, let me catch up here. And it's, it's, it's like no time has passed between any of us but suddenly everything's passed and you've got all this gossip to catch up on and it's just that funny side of life that no one thinks about, but we're all connected. So we're all best friends and we need that connection to last. Uh, it's just like the different, some of the, some of the young people that come through, honestly, I go home and I don't start, stop laughing for another week. It <laughs> just, The things they do, the things they say, the way they act, it's it's just hilarious and it really just keeps me going. Like the worst bit being the sleep, but the funniest bit being the way that young people just keep me going through the week. Like who needs sleep when you've got that laughter going on all week?
0: There you have it. A huge thank you to Izzy for taking us through her time with The Trust so far and to you too for listening in. There's lots going on at the Trust right now with our virtual summer in full swing, and I'd love to point you towards a new upcoming event. We'll be holding virtual coffee mornings for parents and guardians to talk with the Trust team, including volunteers and skippers. These will be a chance to get to know more about what happens on trips, ask questions, and just become more familiar with what the Trust does. Keep an eye out on social media and your inboxes for when these are announced soon. As always, check out our What's On page for all the latest Trust Tuesday hangouts, how-to videos from Skippers, Wider Horizons career and life skills talks, pen pal deadlines, book club information and more. You can listen to Soundwaves on our website, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so please do subscribe and rate us if you want to hear more from the Trust. We've got a super special guest next week, you're not going to want to miss that one. Until then, be well and take care.